all of the things you ever wanted to know or maybe didn't want to know about black people and why you're not racist for just asking a question, you have to hear a story. And in this case, that's my story. So let's start. From the age of two to the age of nine, I lived in this little rinky-dink small town about an hour and a half outside of New York City. It had about 2,000 people. And out of those 2,000 people, my family was the only black family. I just want to explain my experience. Some of it's pretty sad. I'm not looking for a pity party. I may not be an expert in all things black, but I know me. In order to get the opportunity to share with you guys all of the things you ever wanted to know or maybe didn't want to know about black people and why you're not racist for just asking a question. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, there are racist people asking racist questions, but not everyone asking a question about race is racist. Carry on. You have to hear a story. And in this case, that's my story. Martin Luther King, his I Have a Dream speech happened in 1963. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. And then in 1968, he was murdered. And in 1970, little Jody, me, was born. So I am the post-civil rights generation. So my story, I think, is pretty poignant. And this is a four-part series. I hope you will click subscribe and like so that we can boost this, so that we can share why white people don't need to feel guilty, which is what like the Ron DeSantis's of the world and you know political figures on the right are trying to tell you. I don't want any guilt. I don't want you to feel like, oh, well, if I talk about race, you have to feel bad. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just telling my story. Because I know my white friends, even my white husband, yes, full disclosure, I have a white husband, him. So let's just get into my story. And I think you will understand the first question, and this is in no order, that I am regularly asked about being a black person. And that is number one. Why is everything about race when it comes to black people? That's what I'm gonna cover. So here I am, I'm this kid, I'm brand new in the world, innocent as innocent can be. But everybody we lived around, including my teachers and my doctors and the grocery store and all that stuff, everyone was white. One of my first experiences with knowing that I was different was when we would go to the grocery store and I was like three or four or five, somewhere in there. And that's when little kids really start to notice differences. And I remember I was like standing at this aisle looking at something and my mom had walked down a little bit and this little kid, a little white kid was just staring at me. 
And it was like, like with confusion, but also with a little disgust. And like, you know, you know how when a dog hears something that they're like a sound and they go like, oh, you know, like, oh, they tilt their head like this kid. He was just kind of like, ew. And his mom kind of came along and just shoot him like, oh, okay, you know, they're just like us. Come on, let's go. Like embarrassed, but like, let's not talk about it. And I'm just like, he's pointing at me and saying, ew. And I, 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 I don't understand that. And that those kinds of things start to happen over and over again. And I don't know if I ever asked my parents why. I don't know if I knew to ask because it didn't make sense to me. Race is not anything. It's just, it's nothing. I don't know about it. So it doesn't occur to me. I just feel icky, what I like to call mushy, just inside, just a sense of what I now know is insecure. Those kinds of things started to happen. And this is before I'm in elementary school, right? Life is good for me for the most part. I loved kidhood. Like before I went to school, I, we would go places, my family would travel, I got to do things. I was very creative and imaginative. I loved to talk, hello. And so life was good until I went into elementary school. And my brother and I were the only black kids in the entire school, K through six. But then when I got to second grade, I had a really mean teacher. This mean teacher was awful to me. Like I said, I didn't know why. And then I found out why. I actually found this out decades later. So I'm in class, second grade, not liking it, not enjoying it, mean teacher. And then all of a sudden, I'm swooped out one day into a completely different second grade class. And nobody tells me why. They're like, oh, it's better for you. And I remember Mrs. K, we'll call her Mrs. K, I remember her last name, looking at me with such pity. Now, I didn't know that word when I was little. I remember she would just was so sweet and nice. And there was a sense of when she would look at me that she pitied me. And again, I can see that now. And it made me feel that insecure, kind of mushy feeling because I'm like, wait, I just went from like a really mean teacher to a really nice teacher. So now I'm skeptical, like I don't understand, like mean was the norm and now she's nice and she's pitying me, why? Did I do something? It must have been something I did. Is it about me? And this is where years of therapy starts to really begin or, you know, things I need to talk about in therapy is because I really felt unsure of where my place was in the world. And so I'm in this new second grade class and she's really nice. Well, decades later, my mom finally told me. So here's the story. That mean teacher, Mrs. Yu, and I remember her name, I remember her face, I just, ugh. That mean teacher, Mrs. Yu, was friends with one of my mom's friends, right? And Mrs. Yu and one of my mom's friends and a bunch of other girlfriends went bowling one night. And Mrs. Yu starts to spew all this stuff about she's got this, yep, she said it. We'll call it Enner, 
the N-word. She's got this N-er in her class. She doesn't want to have to teach this stupid N-er. And her N-er mom, my mom, is always coming in trying to make sure her daughter's getting a good education and checking up. She's like, I just want this N-er to get out of my class. Like, I want nothing to do with it. Like, all this horrible, racist vitriol. And she thinks they all agree with her. That's Mrs. Yu and my mom's friend, who promptly takes that information back to my mom. My mom finds out, she goes to the school, little Jody is whisked away to a different class. And they didn't wanna to have to explain it to me, so they never did. Now, whether or not that's right or wrong, we can debate that all till we're all blue in the face. But that's what my parents did, and that's why I got the pity from Mrs. K, because she knew how poorly I had been treated by this racist teacher. Now, little Jody doesn't know any of this and it just adds to my sense of insecurity. As I got a little older, I remember I was like seven and I was playing with one of my neighborhood friends, which I always think this is really ironic. She lived in a white house with black trim directly across the street from us. And we lived on this really long street. It wasn't real busy, but it was a long street with about maybe 50 houses and a lake at the end. And I would play with their daughter, who was my exact same age. And one day she's like, oh, I wanna show you something, Barbies or whatever. And we went to her house and her mom ushered us out of the house. And she said, you cannot come into my house and you cannot come into my yard. You guys can play together, but not in my yard and not in my house. So this woman was fine with her white daughter playing with her black friend, but I could not step foot in her house or her yard. And I remember being surprised, but not like hurt, more confused because when you're a kid, you don't understand what racism or bigotry is. You just know it's coming at you. And at some point I went home and I told my mom and I don't remember if I was sad or scared. I mostly remember being disappointed and confused. And at some point, my mom went over there, or I don't know how it happened. That woman came out of her house, and my mom and this lady are standing in the street, pretty far away from each other. And I know how little I was, because I was hugging my mom's leg. You know how when you're so little, it's like safety? Like your head doesn't even reach to their butt cheek, you're just like hiding. And I remember I was hugging her leg, kind of hiding, watching all this. And all I remember my mom saying is, if you have a problem, you take it out on me and not my daughter. And I just remember feeling like, yeah, mom, you know, like, but what, like, did I do something? Like I caused this, this is my fault. So you see, I'm starting to take on anything negative that has to do with race, it's my fault. And I don't know to articulate, mommy, is everything to do with race that's bad that's happening to, do, to me, is that my fault? And she would say, no, but I don't know that because I'm a kid and none of this makes sense. And at the same time, my white counterparts, you know, the kids that are my same age, aren't having any conversations about race other than we're all the same. 
just different on the outside, but the same on the inside. Basically, that was it. That's all I ever heard, which we're going to talk about that at the end of this four-part series, why that's not helpful. It's well-intentioned, but not helpful. That was the opening door to my education of racism and self-disgust. I wouldn't say self-hatred, but I really started to not like myself because of that. And I didn't know I didn't like myself when I was older, like a teenager, when it's really like a parent, you know, you're a teenager and you're figuring yourself out. I didn't know because I'd always felt that way. It was just a slow progression from the beginning of, of when I could even form memories or words. Racism was affecting who I was, who I was becoming, but I didn't know it. So then when I was seven, I um, was walking down the street, minding my own business. I was going to my Girl Scout leader's house who had a friend that I could play with. And that's thing, one thing I wanna be clear about. I had plenty of white friends. I had black friends, but they lived closer to New York City. So this particular day I'm walking down the street and I can remember it as bright as day. These two little kids across the street and they were in their yard on their front porch. They were like, Blackie, Blackie. And it was like this brother and sister and they're just like. <laughs> and I was just like, what? And I kept walking and I didn't say anything. And I knew it was bad, but I'm like, Blackie? I'd never been called Blackie. When I looked in the mirror, I didn't see black. I knew I was black. I saw brown, but why is that a thing for them to call me? And again, you are bad. You are wrong. You are different. This is what society is teaching me as a little girl. Like white kids, obviously any kid may get picked on or get, may get bullied or you know, your, your nose is too big or you have too many freckles or you're so skinny, they call you string bean. But I get all of that other stuff as well because I was picked on for whatever. But this additional heavy weight of racism is something that my white counterparts never experienced. And if, you know, you want to comment down below about your childhood experiences that sucked, I get it. Whatever they are, having bad childhood experiences are no fun. But having racism, something that makes no sense heaped upon a child is heavy. So I went on to my friend's house and whatever. And then when I went back home, this is after the blackie blackie situation, I asked my mom and I was like, why did they call me blackie blackie? And my mom, God bless her. She is and was an explainer. Like my brother and I never were told like wee wee or hoo hoo. It was always vagina and penis or testicles. Like we knew all the words because my mom was very clinical and explained everything, wanted us to be fully informed. And I remember we're sitting in our family room and she sat me down and she was like, well, so black people have what's called melanin in their skin. And I remember she touched right here. And that's what makes our skin more brown. And then white people, she kind of showed the inside of my hand, have skin more like this, which is actually more pink and they don't have melanin. And I remember thinking, okay, so it's just a color thing. And that was the conversation. 
Well, I think the next day I walked down to my Girl Scout leader's house again, right by those same kids' house. And they were out there again. Like, you can't write this shit. And they were like, Blackie, Blackie, <laughs> you know. And little Jody, God bless me, man. If I could go back to my little self and just high five myself, I impress myself. I turned to them. And mind you, I was not trying to be clever, but I was. And I said, Pinky, Pinky, <laughs> because my mom had taught me that I was black and they were essentially pink because of melanin. I don't know why she explained it that way, but that's what she said. And so I was like, well, if I'm blacky, blacky, then you're pinky, pinky. And they shut up and they never said another word to me again, ever. And I saw those kids. I remember them being like, like, like almost like does not compute, like we're something. Like, no, you're the something. And I promptly taught them that they were something too. And that became a story that we like retold in our household forever. And they're like, oh, she was so clever. Like, it's funny. And I'm really proud of little Jody. But it's also deeply sad that that's my experience as a little kid that I'm surrounded by whiteness. Again, the American dream that, you know, everyone can be integrated. You're judged by the content of your character, not the color of your skin, but that part didn't happen. It didn't. I have a dream today. So to answer the question, why is it always about race with black people? It's because we cannot divorce ourselves from it. It is the core of who we are. It is in the fabric of our experiences from as far back as I can remember. Race is who I was and am. And I told you guys, I have a white husband. White isn't a thing, like bear with me here. He doesn't go around thinking people will think poorly of him because he's white. He doesn't go into a job interview and think, might not get this job because he's white. He doesn't go into a store and think, people are gonna think I'm stealing because I have a hoodie on because he's white. He doesn't think about his whiteness unless it is juxtaposed to being black. And as a black person, you cannot not Think about your blackness, because for as long as you can remember, everyone has told you about it and told you why it's bad. So if that's my experience as a black female and a white male or some of my white friends never went through anything like that, of course, everything isn't going to be about race for them. So this is what I think. These are my experiences. This is my opinion. I would love to hear yours because I'm open to, to learn other things and other perspectives. I don't claim to be perfect. I don't even claim to be right about anything or everything except for my experiences. And so I hope you will comment down below and ask me questions for part two of this four-part series. And I mean anything. Nothing is off limits. Nothing. Ask me anything you've ever wanted to know, whether it's about critical race theory or why Colin Kaepernick kneeled or um, what is cultural appropriation, anything. As long as you're kind and respectful about it, I will answer it to the best of my ability. So we're going to talk about it all in the next few episodes. 
and I will answer your questions. And for those of you out there who are just like the racist trolls, because anytime you're black on the internet, someone's gonna drop racist crap in your comments, we'll just filter you right out. You don't matter. It doesn't affect me. But for everyone else who has questions about what I've experienced or what you've always wanted to know, ask. Even my black counterparts who maybe grew up in an urban environment, if you wanna know experiences that I had that you didn't have, it, I grew up in a very different way. And I will get into all of that in the next few episodes. And it gets pretty dark. I mean, there's some serious, like serious racist stuff, including a shooting. And that's what I experienced. So I wanna thank you guys for tuning into my very first episode. And again, it's not gonna all be about race, but this four part series will be. And then after that, I'm gonna do a three part series about my experience on Big Brother. For those of you who don't know, I was on the reality show Big Brother. And I've got a bunch of doozies to talk about about that show, stuff that I've never said before. So those are my stories. I'll continue on with the rest of it in part two. I hope you guys will tune in next week, every Thursday, right here. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Bye.